Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Gateway for awakening. 
It's not something to get rid of. Rather, the way we pay attention to self-aversion is actually the ground of the past. That's a lot. 
working together to end the epidemic of gun violence. But she's also an active board member of Emerge America and Rise to Run, two of the nation's leading organizations for recruiting and training women to run for office. Is that why we have so many folks in office right now? So her writings have appeared in Vogue, Refinery29, Time, Washington Post, and much more. She's a mother of five. I'm very humbled to welcome to the air. Hi, Shannon. Welcome. Hi. Hi, this is Shannon. <laughs> oh, hi, Shannon. So you have stepped up to a call. Is it because you were affected by gun violence at a personal level? No, I actually have never been personally impacted by gun violence. I was just so angry after the shooting at Sandy Hook School, the idea that 20 children, first graders, and six educators could be slaughtered in the sanctity of an elementary school was really just too much for me to bear. And I started a Facebook page thinking it would just be a conversation with other moms. And it turned into what is now the largest grassroots movement in the country. Wow, that's amazing. You know what, there's something about doing something at the right time, that it really begins to mobilize a movement of people. Um, So you're a stay-at-home mom, and now you're an activist. You've responded to something in which you felt was totally unjust, inhumane. You opened up a a Facebook page. Before you knew it, there were millions of people coming on board and saying, please, can we do something? How did that courage emerge in you? Can you identify what it was that opened up in you that made this such a powerful force for you, for you to be able to really come out of your comfort zone and begin to speak on an issue that maybe you didn't know much about? (laughs) That's exactly right. I I knew nothing Mm -hmm. about my state or federal gun laws. I'd never been uh, an activist in any way, shape, or form. But I think that I knew intuitively that mothers in this country were the yin to the gun lobby's yang. And that the same anger and fear that was driving this vocal minority of gun extremists was the same emotion driving 80 million mothers to protect their children, their communities. And ultimately, that that was right. And so I I think it's, I don't know, courage might be giving me too much credit. I think it was a feeling that if I lost my children, I had nothing left to lose. And there was just no way to stay silent anymore. Yeah. Can you imagine nowadays, Shannon, we don't even know when our kids go to school, if they'll even come home safe. Did you ever have that concern? Well, certainly after the Sandy Hook school shooting, and, you know, I live in Mm -hmm. Colorado, just within the last month, um, there have been gun threats and lockdowns at my daughter's college campus here, at my son's high school. There was a teen girl who brought a gun from Miami to Denver during the anniversary of Columbine, and Mm -hmm. 500,000 kids were out of school. Um, There was a school shooting here last month. So it is a a threat we live with, but at the same time, it isn't just the mass shootings and the school shootings that we have to fix. It's the daily Mm -hmm. gun violence that kills 100 Americans, whether it's homicides in city centers or suicides in rural communities. You know, all of it has to get addressed. Right. Now, I know you have become the NRA's worst nightmare, but prior to us getting into that conversation, have you ever sat back in your quiet moments and really wondered, what is it that's triggering these individuals that own these guns to go out there and impact a harm? 
I don't want to call it just mental illness. Not everybody. I mean, to me, any time we get angry, it's a form of mental illness. So it doesn't even matter if you take a gun and shoot up, you know, 10 people or you're at home yelling at your spouse or your kids. But have you ever had those quiet moments? Because I do, you know, Shannon, I do sit back and I think, what's happening in the souls of people, you know, that would initiate them to do that? You ever had one of those moments? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. I certainly don't think that Americans are more angry or evil or unstable than any anyone else in any country. Yet we have a 25 times higher gun homicide rate than any pure nation. And there's a very simple reason for that. It's easy access to guns. You know, everyone gets angry, but not everyone has easy access to an arsenal and ammunition. And in this country, we make it incredibly easy for people who may be a danger to themselves or to others to get a gun, no questions asked. And that's what we have to fix. I never even knew that because I don't even own a gun, so I have no idea how easy or or hard it might be to get. So tell us why you are the NRA's worst nightmare. I know they're going through a lot right now. I think their CEO just had to leave recently, and I know there's been a lot of shifting and turning in the NRAs, and I think that's a good thing. But why are you their worst nightmare? So the NRA is in deep trouble. They attempted a coup of the CEO during the annual meeting last month. It was unsuccessful. He is still there, but they have many ongoing investigations, including some that could remove their nonprofit tax-exempt status um, based on the fact that they have been mismanaging and misspending hundreds of millions of dollars. So they're certainly at their weakest point, and our organization, which tripled in size after the tragedy in Parkland last year, is stronger than we've ever been. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is, that is, in short, why I am the NRA's worst nightmare. I think, you know, as I said, that our organization is really the end to the gun lobby's yang. And their worst nightmare is that women will rise up and organize to protect their children. And that's exactly what we spent the last six years doing very successfully. If you look at the midterm elections, we not only outmaneuvered the NRA, we also outspent them for the first time in many, many years. Wow. I love that. I know women will rise up and outmaneuver them. I love that. I love it. And there's nothing like a mother getting up to say, I'm going to protect my children. You know, I'm going to protect my children. Your book, Fight Like a Mother, I won't even say the other word after that. You're so good. It has received a prominent endorsements from Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, actress Sophia Bush, Chelsea Clinton, and so many more. What was the inspiration behind write, writing that book? Because now, you know, you're into it. You're realizing this has to stop. People are coming in. They're showing their momentum. And, I mean, all of this is just emerging. It's like you're being called you know, what was it that made you pick that pen up and start to say, I'm a fight like a mother? <laughs> well, you know, I do, I do feel like this is a calling. Um, there's really no way to explain why I am so passionate about this issue, given that I've never been directly impacted. I'm a full-time volunteer. I wake up and work on this like a full-time job I have for mm-hmm. six years now. And every step of the way, when there have been obstacles, they've been removed. And we have just grown exponentially and become stronger and stronger over the years. And I've received so many calls, mostly from women who have said, I am really wanting to create my own grassroots network where I live in my community or my neighborhood or my state. And how did you do it? 
So it doesn't have to be about gun violence prevention. So this is really part memoir, kind of how I went from a stay-at-home mom to a full-time activist and the impact that's had on my friends and family. It is uh, part manual, a how-to. How did we do this, especially in red states where it's not easy to organize around this issue? And mm-hmm. also part manifesto, how people, particularly women, can take the skills that they learn as activists and parlay that into becoming elected officials. That's lovely. You know, you sound like a weaver. Have you heard about that movement? No. The weaver, the weaver movement that was initiated by New York Times journalist David Brooks. Oh, I love the him. Aspen I, I Institute. Him lately, yes. Yeah, I'm going to definitely make bring you into being a weaver because what you have done is one of the biggest weaving aspects that we need in this country, which are individuals who wake up and and come out of their I, me, or mine and get into the we dimension and begin mm. to mobilize change. This is definitely really important to be continued. So, with the work of Moms Demand Action and the student-led movement of March for Our Lives, this numerous other movements to eliminate gun violence. Tell me what are some of the things that have changed? You know, that's a great question. We, Because there hasn't been this cathartic moment in Congress, many mm-hmm. people believe nothing has happened since Sandy Hook, and nothing could be further from the truth. We are winning in state houses and in boardrooms, and that's really how political activism works in this country. You have to build a movement. You have to build political power. You have to create momentum on the ground that eventually points Congress and the president and the Supreme Court in the right direction. And that's what we've been doing. We have played defense. There were horrible laws going through state houses for years that were NRA supported, things like guns on college campuses, arming teachers in K-12 schools, uh, something called permitless carry where there's no training involved in carrying a loaded hidden handgun, stand your ground laws. All of these were passing state legislatures. And because we show up in mass, we have about a 90% track record of killing bad NRA bills every year in the thousands. Uh, But we also pass strong gun laws. And we have closed the background check loophole now in a total of 21 states. And that's a significant increase over how many there were in 2012. We've also passed laws in the last six years yeah, that disarm domestic abusers in 28 states. We've passed something called a red flag law in 15 states. We educate people about responsible gun storage through a program called Be Smart. And we've also gotten companies like Levi's and Dick's Sporting Goods and Tom's Shoes to make this a priority issue, part of their corporate philanthropy. So all of this work is being done on the ground. And and I really do believe that Uh, In just a matter of a couple election cycles, we will be at a much different inflection point. You're making me want to join Moms Demand Action. No, really, because as much as I know there is a need, it's the fact that I believe that this nurturing ability in, in, in the minds of a woman, you know, is that this is what's needed to amplify change in our planet. You know, when I saw the Women's March right after the election and I saw March for Our Lives with the kids and and I've seen Moms Demand Action and all these movements that happened after this latest election, I also observed that people on the Hill, especially in a political party, maybe I can just be open about the Republicans and the White House, they were very quiet. And as much as you see this uprising of the people, I don't know if you remembered, if you're observing, you knew they were watching, but there were no tweets, there were no threats, 
There was nothing, you know, there was no criticizing what was going on. They had gone quiet for a day or two, waiting for the masses to quiet down, and then they would continue with their atrocities and their stuff. Have you ever found that as the movement is growing that you ever wonder that still, is it the people in power that really have control? Do the people still have power, especially in this particular time in America? Well, it's certainly a very strange time in America and more important mm-hmm. than ever that people do use their voices and votes. You know, if you look at how many people vote in this country, it's egregious um, because it is really a duty. But I think we are starting to see, at least on the issue of gun violence prevention, real movement, even among Republicans. Uh, Lindsey Graham recently said that the Second Amendment is not a suicide pact. Pat Toomey, who is also in the Senate, a Republican from Pennsylvania, said he believes that if McConnell would allow a vote on the background check bill that recently passed the House, it would get 60 votes. Last year, we passed stronger gun laws in 20 states. Nine of those laws were signed by Republican governors. So we are starting to see the stranglehold the gun lobby has on Republicans and Democrats alike being loosened sort of finger by finger. And that is because of the hard work, the sort of unglamorous, heavy lifting of grassroots activism, showing up at town halls, showing up at candidate meetings and events, Asking the question over and over, you'll you'll see Moms Demand Action volunteers at every single candidate's event keeping what we call gun sense on the agenda. And really, that's how you see movement on an issue. It's interesting because sometimes I know that those of us who are very sincere and genuine about the work that we're doing, that we can sometimes feel a little bit disheartened because people in power try to scare us back into the corner to just say, sit there Mm -hmm. and do nothing, you know? Have you ever had that feeling? And if so, what did you do to overcome it? Especially, you know, as a middle-aged woman, and granted, I'm a, a white suburban mom, it's much more difficult and heavy lifting for women of color, but... There are so many times when, you know, men get the microphone and are, are able to set the strategy and be in the spotlight. And that's why it was so important to me to join an organization of an army of, of women who were doing mm-hmm. all of the work, soup to nuts. Yes, we set up chairs and make snacks and pick venues, but we <laughs> also get to do the interviews and be in the spotlight and set the strategy. And I think that's, that's incredibly important work. Um, and we also, as a result, don't have the same gatekeepers who are saying to us, you know, sit down and be quiet or we're not going to exactly. share your message. But that we, we own that power. Yes, 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 we do. Yes, we do. And may we continue to own it in such a way it amplifies the sound of this change that we need. Do you invite the women and the participants in your movement as well to have moments of reflection? Because One of my biggest concerns is that sometimes we're trying to fight the hate with some dislike or frustration or fear, and I wonder if that energy really does create the inner change that we're looking for. So at some of your rallies, do you really invite people at the beginning and maybe at the end? Can we hold a moment of reflection and silence for the people, you know, that have lost their lives, for the people that have been misguided, for people who are in pain right now? Do you sometimes do that? Because I find that holding to be still, and I mean deeply still, where it's like a good two to three minutes of just stillness till we settle, so that when we now begin to speak the truth, people up on the hill across the world can hear our heart and soul. 
Absolutely. We almost always have moments of silence, particularly for oh, the good. victims and survivors of gun violence. But also you bring up an important point, which is self-care. And mm-hmm. we are a movement fueled by love, ultimately, and mm-hmm. protecting the lives of complete strangers. And it can get hard and it can get exhausting. And it can feel traumatic at times, especially given all the gun violence in this country, you know, it's almost like secondhand smoke in a way in this country. It's hard mm-hmm. to escape the ravages of gun violence on yes. our communities. So we encourage, you know, we talk about how this is a marathon, not a sprint, the work of gun violence prevention, mm-hmm. but it's also a relay like race. That. You have to pass the baton when it gets to be too much and you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself and your family. Beautiful. love that. So for women who want to get involved with some sort of an issue that's important to them, what's your best advice? Well, I talk a lot about this in Fight Like a Mother, but I, it is so important to know that you have what it takes to start a movement, uh, no matter how big or how small. You can build the plane as you fly it. You don't have to know everything going in that you shouldn't Mm -hmm. listen to the naysayers, you should really trust your gut, and that you should find a tribe of other people who will support and help you and bring their skill sets to bear. Uh, I think Mom Demand Action is the best example of how women came together all across the country and decided to work with one another to take our country back from uh, allowing gun lobbyists to write our nation's gun laws. And I think when history is settled on this, it will be women who ultimately took down the dangerous agenda of the NRA. That's so beautiful. Now, I know you're going to be in Washington, D.C. on June 6th at Politics and Prose at the Wharf. What time is that going to be? I believe it's at 7 p.m., but you can go to their website. Um, Karen Tumulty, a Washington Post editorial writer, will be moderating a conversation there. And if you go to Politics and Prose's website, you can get all the information in RSVP. All right. You know what? I'm just feeling that if you want to and you have the time, let's do a self-care here at the Meditation Museum for the Mothers. And we can also do a book signing maybe on your way back or moving around. It's just really hard to know what you're doing. I really love what you're doing. It's just beautiful. So your Fight Like a Mother book tour is how many cities now it's going to be in? Oh, it's it's about a dozen at this point. So it's... Wow. going to be really busy between now and the summer, but if you go to fightlikeamother.org, you can find all of the information on every single stop. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, congratulations for that, and really, I genuinely want to connect you to the Weaver program with the Aspen, because that's what you're doing. And yeah, let's do a self-care at the Meditation Museum for the Mothers um, with Moms on Demand, Moms Demand Action. When you get a chance, I would love and it. be continued to be continued. Okay, leave us with a blessing for all the kids in America. What do you wish for them at this particular time? Oh, I wish for the children of America a, a brighter future when it comes to gun violence prevention. That they're not afraid in their schools or their communities, and that they don't lose loved ones to gun violence. And that this will change in, in our lifetime, so that we can stop traumatizing an entire generation. Oh, that's beautiful. Shannon Watts, thank you so much. Lots of love and many blessings to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Take care. So if you've been listening to our conversation, I just had a wonderful heart-to-heart with Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in the United States of America. Can you imagine just rising up because you're hearing things on the news, you're watching what's going on, and you're going, 
I just, this is just not right. You know what makes her story so powerful and so real? She didn't feel she was powerless. You see, a lot of us sit there and still think, oh, I can't, I can't go up against the, the elites, the powers that would be. Shannon said, I don't know about any of that, but whatever's happening, it's just not right. And she stood up and she learned and she got involved. So if you want some more information, please go to her website at fightlikeamother.org. And for more information on her tour, it's, I think you can get it on Fight Like a Mother too. And I know she's going to be in Washington, D.C. on June 6th at Politics and Prose on the Wharf. I would love to have her and her group here for self-care. Wouldn't that be powerful? I think that's so meaningful right now. It's a big thing for me. All right, remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. Here's Joe Rob on Wake Up, Wake Up. It's time.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.